Preview Data Smart, a weekly podcast on data security, information management, and all things related to the data you have, how to protect it, and maximize its value. I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Christian Ward. Jay, today I want to really tackle a fun, scary, beautiful, glorious, all those things topic, which is artificial intelligence and how it relates to data privacy. Uh, and, and to some degree, we'll, this will be, uh, we could rephrase it, you know, AI versus data minimization or AI versus Article 22, the GPR. There's a lot of ways to think about this. But um, in my world, AI represents so many great opportunities to improve um, people's lives. Uh, there was an article earlier uh, this week about how AI is being used to track how cancer develops in patients and how it spreads. And you know, you're talking about just such personal um, private data, but at the same time, you're talking about such a greater potential good here um, by leveraging this type of technology. Um, at the same time, there was a, a, a great video that showed uh, a new robotic arm that we've enabled with AI uh, to find Waldo in half a second in the Where's Waldo series and actually point to it. It's kind of funny. It's interesting to watch. That may not be the world-saving, uh, cancer-stopping type of uh, uh, use of this data or this technology that one envisions, but it shows that with all new technologies, there's the capability um, to use it and apply it in almost any creative way possible. And when we think about that, we have to compare that with data privacy laws and regulations. Um, and that's that's a that's an area that really um, the GDPR contemplates. But we haven't really seen that play out yet in many real world situations. I think that's because the GDPR is despite being a, a mammoth piece of legislation, fairly forward-looking in this area. I mean, it, it, in, it contemplates the development of AI and the growth of AI and machine learning as uh, a larger component of our day-to-day lives than it is right now. Um, you know, there's going to come a point um, in the not too distant future where AI is ubiquitous and it's just a part of everything that we do. Um, it isn't there now, but it, when it is, it's you know it'll be interesting to see how we counterbalance the benefits that it provides with the very real risks to personal security um, and privacy. And I think that's the the aim of the GDPR generally. I mean, Article Twenty Two in particular, but you know it's it's in the recitals as well, Recital Seventy One about sort of peeking behind the curtain and getting an explanation of what what's happening. Um, but in, in any event, the, the GDPR is really the only law that I know of that's talking about and tries to grapple with AI in a meaningful way. Yeah. So Article 22, just to remind everyone, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. It's The title is Automated Decisions, uh, Automated Decision in Individual Cases. Um, uh, and and, and it states the data subject, meaning the human, the human being, you, myself, the data subject shall have the right not to be subject to a decision based solely on automated processing, including profiling, which produces legal effects concerning him or her or similar, similarly significant effects him or her. 
That's that's it's it's very broad, but what it what it's what it's trying to protect against is this concept of who gets credit card offers, who gets approved for loans and mortgages, who gets allowed to enter certain events versus not, or who who gets pulled out of line in security. There's a, a, a mammoth amount of ways that we could be applying these types of technologies, but it allows for the subject to have the right not to be solely determined by an automated process without some sort of recourse. What's fascinating about it is when you think of how um, there's five tribes of thought in artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, or machine learning that sort of translates into uh, use of artificial intelligence. One of them is sort of the, the genetic view, the biological view of allowing data sets to mesh and merge and only the, the, the fittest survive. Um, and these sort of genetic algorithms um, use data, they, they combine it in various ways to hit a fitness function, a goal. Um, now, when you're doing that, you could uh, delete the data of the biological subjects that don't survive onto um, the high goal. Um, I don't think that's really what's happening. And uh, generally the concern is, if I'm running a massive study of who I will give a mortgage to based on an incredible AI layer that's using that type of machine learning, how do I keep that data? Or if I do keep that data, how do I make it available to the end subject to explain, hey, this is why you were denied mortgage by my company? And, and one of the real concerns I have with this is, we're talking about data and decision process at such a high scale, it's actually getting hard for, harder and harder for humans to understand how the AI arrived right. at the decision that it did and to sort of step through the decision process. Um, that's a real concern. Yeah, the, the AI doesn't have to show its work in, in a sense, right? Because it'll, it'll eventually learn to analyze these issues in predictive ways that are that diverge from the way that we would have approached the subject. I do want to sort of carve out an important distinction here. In the U.S., the Fair Credit Reporting Act has for a very long time required that people get insight into a decision made about a credit decision. Yeah. And although those decisions are made by entering data into a program and the program calculates risk and comes up with a decision, that's not the same thing that we're talking no. about now. That's in fact that's a linear process. That is a There's linear process, yeah. right. So that's, you know, I've put in these following inputs and then the computer had, the program has reached, you know, this likelihood of risk score and then you're denied. One that's done there's a list of factors that you'll be given, and some of them are probably correct and some of them are incorrect, but you're given a list of factors and that's it. Don't think of AI and don't think of disclosure requirements under the GDPR in the way that we think about the Fair Credit Report. Right. That's an act from the 1970s. Mm -hmm. okay? it was, AI was a matter of science fiction then. What we're talking about now is truly independent thinking by these algorithms mm -hmm. that reach a decision that a human being, by law now, under the GDPR, Articles 22, 21 and 22, has to be able to provide some insight into. Mm -hmm. Now, the GDPR doesn't go so far as to say, thou shalt provide an explanation of what happens. <laughs> right, which, which I've seen, uh, there are companies that... Are, are very concerned about that because the amount of money they put into developing these tools, they don't want to walk in and show every competitor the exact thought process right. that they built into the system. Right. Quite frankly, that's really not fair to them, but there has to be some level of transparency. Right. And so the GDPR is a little bit unclear about this because in recital seven, the recitals in the GDPR are sort of the, the explanation bit at the front where they say, this is what we're out to do. This is the important stuff. The recitals are really important. If you haven't read them 
it's hard to really understand GDPR. So you need to look at the recitals, um, but they're not binding. So recital 71 says that individual data subjects have the right to have an understanding um, and potentially even an explanation mm -hmm. of how these decisions were made. But that's not what Article 21 or 22 says. Right. It means they, have to ha they get the right to have a human provide technical details and to talk to a human yes. about the decision and potentially object to it, to say, I don't want to be processed in an automated fashion. So there is protection for the, you know, the trade secrets or the, the intellectual property of the company using these algorithms. But that doesn't mean that there still isn't a real tension between the ability to object to um, automated processing and the, and the operations of businesses that are going to increasingly rely on this. So I, you know the other. There's tensions elsewhere too. I mean, you were just talking about deleting data sets of the, you know, the fittest, not the non-fittest subjects, yeah. and only those who make it to the next level get to proceed. Well, but what about minimizing the length of time that we keep the data? Right. If if you input data into a, a machine learning platform or an AI platform, it processes in many instances the data by incorporating each datum and factoring it into its thinking. It learns by accumulating and processing just massive amounts of data. And the more data it gets, the more identification points it can, it can achieve. And, and quite frankly, not just the more, so not necessarily the breadth, but the length of time. Right. So the time is, has always been one of the you know, most key um, relational points to build upon and wait upon. So you know, it, it, gives you, it gives you the only, really, the, the, the totally human reference of understanding time is how we also explain our decisions. Right. So it, it really is critical, but data minimization, right. again, how is... How long are yeah. you keeping this data for? I mean, if you put it into... Although you may not, as an individual, be able to access the information any longer, right? Even if you create a system where the data are entered into um, a database and we humans can no longer access that data, it's incorporated into the AI's algorithm, it's, it's processed and understood, we can't touch it anymore. That doesn't mean that the data is not still being processed. It's being processed in a way that we can't access it, which in some respects is worse. That's more dangerous, right? right? We can't give you, we can't give the data subject access to it anymore. We can't object, that, you know, uh, heed an, a request for a halt to the processing anymore. So how do you create systems that safeguard data subject rights while at the same time allowing for the way pretty much all AI operates at this point. There is no GDPR compliant approach to AI because AI wasn't developed with GDPR in mind. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we, we've talked about how I, I was very impressed by the concept of Article 22 because I think, like you said, it is forward-looking, uh, but it is it all comes down to how it's ultimately interpreted uh, because the ability to tell someone, hey, here's why you were denied, and it's enough for them to understand, but not necessarily enough to fully unpack and explain. But then what starts to happen is you take those results and someone has to check okay, these people were denied, and here's the explanation they were given, because the only way to identify some sort of programmatic bias or the you know sort of mistreatment of citizens is to look across a larger set right. to understand the data, right. which is, again, in some ways, completely antithetical to data minimization, right. because if I can't store that and analyze it, even a well-meaning company, which I believe most are, can't 
understand some of the own, their own biases that are coming from perhaps a certain data set that's included in the AI. I'll always flash back to the you know Microsoft's Tay AI chatbot that became immediately racist after so 24 racist. hours yeah. 24 hours exposure to a Twitter feed, which is you know we know that that content's there and it it just completely biased and destroyed this thing and at the same time that's going to happen a lot because we're going to always experiment with new data sets but if we're, if we're limited to the amount of time that we can have it and we're limited to the amount of time that it can be used like for example there was another article here that um, uh, Google had partnered up with a couple hospitals to analyze mortality uh, mortality rates of inpatient people inpatient in health in the NHS system and they. I think found 93 to 95% in each hospital respectively that Google could predict using DeepMind's AI on the data which patients were not going to make it. And and that that's kind of amazing because if you're talking about that level, like literally nine and a half times out of 10, they know this person is really in danger compared to another. And I'm not saying that the staff doesn't understand it. I'm sure they do. But there, there's clearly, to get that level, there's clearly an understanding in the data. Now, what the outrage was is that showed that Google had access to the health records of 1.6 million people in the NHS. That's This is, again, the whole sort of balance of you're not going to have outrage without knowledge. If there isn't knowledge, there won't cause the outrage. And the outrage has to be balanced against the greater good. And AI presents so many great opportunities, but it's going to have to be balanced with it. I, I'm, I'm really hoping that at some point, as companies recognize the opportunities in AI, they are at the same time recognizing the need to come up with creative solutions, maybe even new businesses, quite frankly, that are lockbox storage uh, con concepts that allowed for this ongoing storage of data that went into decisions that happened five years ago, because it's gonna somehow backfire. If, if we minimize the data, then we don't have the information to go back and retrace and understand the mistakes that are made. And that's that's concerning, particularly with any decisions that are happening against against or for a person. I think that's that's absolutely right. And, you know, Google does seem to get something of a free pass about stuff like this. Sometimes. You know, there there was there's this story. There's also a story that broke yesterday that Google had a secret deal with MasterCard where they were tracking offline sales habits. Um, that neither one of them disclosed, even though it's post GDPR. Um, but you're not Google, um, and so if you're doing stuff like that, it's yeah. it, you're going to have a bad time. Like don't, <laughs> yeah. this is not going to be good. So you, what you have to think about is how to balance the benefits of using AI in house with the potential risks for you. And I think that balancing test is really what the GDPR is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. It. The, you know the. I don't know of any business that we work with today that isn't excited and focused on bringing machine learning and AI into their business. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the opportunity, there's a new book called Unscaled, and it's all about how you know, the last you know, half decade was all about how do I scale my operation. It was all about efficiency so that I could almost provide the same product to more and more people with the same levels of service so that I could ensure a, a consistent product. 
AI and machine learning are flipping that on its head where they can personalize things to right. such an incredible <laughs> level. It's literally unscaling everything to what do I want to read today? Where, where do right. I want to go today? Where would I like to stay in a hotel? Where would I not like to stay? That type of understanding of a human being um, by uh, a, a business or a corporation that has enough data to make those decisions is is really a great opportunity. And it, look, it's it's going to, in terms of healthcare alone, the, the opportunity is, is, is so life-saving it's worth pursuing um, but people have to understand and regulators have to understand this requires enormous amounts of data not because you'll always have to have it but you do need to test and learn with it and if you have to jettison it because you can't keep it and this by the way this whole stuff of oh it could be anonymized it, it really can't no. in these cases this is specifically it, and the point is that it's not the point is to make sure it only tracks to you but once again i see business opportunities there is there a business that allows for people to store all of their personal data with a key they can grant a company access to run their models back testing against how they would fare get a report of here's what we would have done for you as your travel agent ai for the last six years and here's the savings you would have had versus the purchases you made do would you like to move forward if you do you continue to grant and consent the access to your data but it's a personal lockbox there, there is some version of this that oh, has wait. to happen yes but i mean for now it's the challenge is because it, it operates now. If you have any automated decision-making processes, it needs to be explainable now. And so if you want to know if you're ready to deal with that, go to the people who manage the automated systems for your company and say, can you explain how this decision was made to me? And if the first time they explain it to you, it does not make perfect sense, you probably have some work to do. Yeah. that's and Well, look, I, I think that's the balance here that the the... A lot of times we talk about um, data as as lifeblood or as currency or as you know it's it's where really money is. Regulation oftentimes follows where the money goes, and we've mentioned this before. Um, in this case, regulation is trying to get ahead of this. Right. The, the, this this it is forward link uh, thinking, and, and it's I think it's very bright. I think the the, the problem is it's not really that strict yet because we really don't know what's going to happen right. with it. This is another situation where, as the findings occur, it will guide companies on how they must prepare for this. Um, but the benefits to artificial intelligence, machine learning, it is the next you know wave for for humanity if we can get this right. I'm glad to see that we're stopping, at least pausing for a moment to say the ethics that apply to this from a legal standpoint have to be thought about before we continue down this path because this path is almost impossible to unpack if we don't think about it up front. Um, And systems are many times built with the best of intentions, um, but in these cases, we won't even know how we got to the decisions we had. So it's exciting to think that they're thinking about it. It'll be very interesting to see how it develops. um, And ultimately, you know, if, if we have... If we have enough data to identify who Waldo is in the picture, then we've got to figure out how to explain to Waldo that we can find him anywhere in the world. I mean, we we were promised hoverboards and rocket cars. Yes. And we, get, we find Waldo. Yes. And I'm disappointed in the future. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Are You Data Smart? We'll see you next week. Thanks again.